Section 14, Introduction Although the exact date is not known, it is believed that early in June of 1829, the Melchizedek priesthood was conferred on Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery. It was shortly after this that the spirit of mobocracy was stirred up against Joseph and Oliver, and it became apparent that the translating of the plates would have to be continued elsewhere. Not only was the life of Joseph threatened, but so was the security of the gold plates. Lucy Mack Smith describes this in her book on the life of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 147. Mother Smith says it was about this time that Joseph took up the Urim and Thummim one morning, and instead of receiving the usual translation to the Urim and Thummim, Joseph was given a special commandment. He was instructed to send a message to David Whitmer in Waterloo, New York, and ask him to bring a team and wagon so they could be moved away from Harmony, Pennsylvania. This is on page 147 of her book. Since Oliver Cowdery was a good friend of David Whitmer, he had kept the Whitmers advised of the exciting events which had occurred during the past few weeks. David therefore quickly wrote a letter advising Joseph and Oliver that his father was prepared to furnish them free food and board and provide at least one person to assist as a scribe if he were needed. The Whitmers knew they were honored to be drawn in on something so extremely important. At this time, Peter Whitmer, the father, was 56. The eldest son, Jacob Whitmer, was 29. David Whitmer was 24. And Peter Whitmer was 18. In order to safely transfer the gold plates, Joseph was instructed to deliver them to Moroni, who later turned them back over to Joseph after he arrived in Waterloo. As Joseph and Oliver continued the translating, they were carefully observed by David Whitmer. He was amazed as he watched the speed with which Joseph dictated the translation. He later wrote, quote, He, Joseph, was a religious and straightforward man. He had to be, for he was illiterate, and he could do nothing of himself. He had to trust in God. He could not translate unless he was humble and possessed of the right feeling toward everyone. Now, this is a quote from Lucy Mack Smith's book on Joseph Smith, page 85. Several of the Whitmer family were anxious to receive individual revelations since they had heard others had received direct communications from the Lord. David Whitmer was the first one to ask for this privilege. This brings us to the text of section 14. A great and marvelous work is about to come forth unto the children of men. Behold, I am God. Give heed unto my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, to the dividing asunder of both joints and marrow. Therefore give heed unto my word. Behold, the field is white, all ready to harvest. Therefore whoso desireth to reap, let him thrust in his sickle with his might, and reap while the day lasts, that he may treasure up for his soul everlasting salvation in the kingdom of God. Yea, whosoever will thrust in his sickle and reap, the same is called of God. Therefore, if you will ask of me, you shall receive. If you will knock, it shall be opened unto you. 
These verses are familiar to us, but the next two verses are specifically designed to give a special message to David Whitmer. In verse 6, the Lord says, Seek to bring forth and establish my Zion. Keep my commandments in all things. Then he goes on to say in the seventh verse, And if you keep my commandments and endure to the end, you will have eternal life, which gift is the greatest of all the gifts of God. Now, for the first time, the Lord talks about enduring to the end. David Whitmer is going to see angels and hear the voice of God, but he will be excommunicated and die outside of the church. And it shall come to pass that if you shall ask the Father in my name, in faith believing, you shall receive the Holy Ghost, which giveth utterance, that you may stand as a witness of these things of which you shall both hear and see, and also that you may declare repentance unto this generation. Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, who created the heavens and the earth, a light which cannot be hid in darkness. As in verse 2, the Savior bears solemn witness of his divine identity. He wants to emphasize to David that he is receiving a direct communication from the Lord. This is not Joseph Smith talking, but the Lord himself. Wherefore I must bring forth the fullness of my gospel from the Gentiles unto the house of Israel. Also for the first time, the Lord refers to the great mission of the Gentiles to take the gospel to the seed of Israel, particularly the Lamanites. All through the Book of Mormon, the Lord predicted that it would be a major responsibility of the Gentiles to deliver the restored gospel to the Lamanites in the latter days. And behold, thou art David, and thou art called to assist, which thing, if ye do, and are faithful, ye shall be blessed both spiritually and temporally, and great shall be your reward. Amen. Finally, the Lord made David a marvelous promise. Those of us who came later only wish with all our hearts that David Whitmer could have measured up to the blessings which the Lord had in store for him. Section 15, Introduction John Whitmer was the third son of Peter Whitmer, Sr., and was anxious to have a direct revelation from the Lord right after David Whitmer received his revelation. Now here is the text of section 15. Hearken, my servant John, and listen to the words of Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Redeemer. With each of these new converts, the Savior wanted them to appreciate that they were listening to the Lord himself, and not merely Joseph Smith who was delivering the message. For behold, I speak unto you with sharpness and with power, for mine arm is over all the earth. Now Jesus knew John better than he knew himself, and he was aware that this enthusiastic disciple of Joseph Smith would need to have admonition with sharpness if he was to remain in the fold of the kingdom. And I will tell you that which no man knoweth save me and thee alone. In order to strengthen his testimony, Jesus shared with John Whitmer something which only John would know. This was the same approach the Savior had taken to strengthen Oliver Cowdery. For many times you have desired of me, 
to know that which would be of the most worth unto you. John was well aware that he had often prayed to the Lord because he needed to know the will of the Lord concerning him. John also knew the Lord had whispered to John and counseled the things he should do and the words he should speak. Behold, blessed are you for this thing, and for speaking my words which I have given you according to my commandments. And now, behold, I say unto you, that the thing which will be of the most worth unto you will be to declare repentance unto this people, that you may bring souls unto me, that you may rest with them in the kingdom of my Father. Amen. Of course the Spirit had whispered to John to declare repentance to the people living in that vicinity, and now the Lord urges him to continue this labor since the gospel was coming back to the earth in all its abundant glory. This meant he could help bring souls into God's kingdom. Having given John Whitmer the advice he had requested, the Lord knew that he would falter. He was one of the eight witnesses to the Book of Mormon and remained true to his testimony throughout his life. Nevertheless, he was excommunicated in 1838 because he and his brother David failed to account for $2,000 belonging to the church. Neither of them ever returned to the kingdom, but both of them sustained their testimonies of the Book of Mormon to the end. Section 16. Introduction. Peter Whitmer, Jr. was also anxious to have his own personal revelation, but it must have been astonishing when he received exactly the same revelation as his brother John. The two revelations were identical down to the last syllable. In fact, it must have been rather amazing to David and the other members of the family that Joseph would repeat the two revelations without the slightest variation. Obviously, Joseph did not have the opportunity to memorize the revelation. He just received the two versions from the Lord exactly the same. On a number of occasions, the Lord has delivered identical revelations. In the economy of heaven, this would be appropriate. Here is section 16 exactly as it was given to John in section 15. Hearken, my servant Peter. And listen to the words of Jesus Christ, your Lord and your Redeemer. With each of these new converts, the Savior wanted them to appreciate that they were listening to the Lord himself, and not merely to Joseph Smith who was delivering the message. For behold, I speak unto you with sharpness and with power, for mine arm is over all the earth. Now Jesus knew Peter better than Peter knew himself and he was aware that this enthusiastic disciple of Joseph Smith would need to have admonition with sharpness if he was to remain in the fold of the kingdom. And I will tell you that which no man knoweth save me and thee alone. In order to strengthen his testimony, Jesus shared with him a secret that only Peter would know. This was the same approach the Savior had taken to strengthen the testimony of Oliver Cowdery. For many times you have desired of me to know that which would be of the most worth unto you. Peter was well aware that he had often prayed to the Lord because he needed to know the will of God concerning himself. Peter also knew the Lord had whispered to Peter and counseled the things he should do and the words he should speak. Behold, blessed are you for this thing 
and for speaking my words which I have given you according to my commandments. And now, behold, I say unto you, that the thing which will be of the most worth unto you will be to declare repentance unto this people, that you may bring souls unto me, that you may rest with them in the kingdom of my Father. Amen. Of course the Spirit had whispered to Peter to declare repentance to the people living in this vicinity. Now the Lord urges him to continue this labor since the gospel was coming back to the earth in all its abundant glory. This means he can help bring souls into God's great kingdom. However, the story with Peter Jr. ends differently than it did with John and David Whitmer. The church history says, Peter Whitmer Jr. took an active part with the saints in Jackson County and Clay County. He died on a farm about two miles from Liberty, Clay County, Missouri, September the 22nd, 1836. He was one of the eight witnesses to the Book of Mormon and one of the original six founders of the church, and he remained faithful to the end. Section 17, Introduction the most fantastic miracle connected with the translation of the Book of Mormon was Joseph Smith's gift of translation itself, and the second most striking phenomenon was the speed with which it was done. In its printed form, the Book of Mormon covers 522 pages, but Joseph Smith dictated the inspired translation as rapidly as Oliver Cowdery could write it. The record shows that Joseph began dictating the revelatory translation on April 7, 1829, and in spite of several interruptions, such as the move from Harmony, Pennsylvania to Fayette, New York, he completed this monumental task in an estimated maximum of 77 days or less. Now, this is mentioned in the Meridian Magazine, February the 18th, 2001. It was toward the end of the translation that this revelation number 17 was given in June 1829. Of course, the Book of Mormon referred to the importance of having witnesses in 2 Nephi chapter 11, verse 3, which said, quote, Wherefore, by the words of three, God hath said, I will establish my word. Nevertheless, God sendeth more witnesses, and he proveth all his words. But with reference to the witnesses concerning the gold plates, the Lord had said, Wherefore, at the day when the book shall be delivered unto the man of whom I have spoken, the book shall be hid from the eyes of the world, that the eyes of none shall behold it, save it be that three witnesses shall behold it by the power of God beside him to whom the book shall be delivered, and they shall testify to the truth of the book and the things therein." Unquote. And that's from Second Nephi 27 and 12. But as they came toward the last part of the record, Joseph translated Ether, chapter 5, verses 2 to 4. And this was the most exciting passage of all. As Moroni came toward the close of his writings, he says, quote, And behold, ye may be privileged that ye may show the plates unto those who shall assist to bring forth this work. And unto three shall they be shown by the power of God, wherefore they shall know of a surety that these things are true. And in the mouth of three witnesses shall these things be established, and the testimony of three and this work 
in the which shall be shown forth the power of God and also his word, of which the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost bear record, and all this shall stand as a testimony against the world at the last day. Unquote. With this last passage in mind, it can well be imagined the excitement in Palmyra when Joseph's parents passed this scripture on to Martin Harris. No passion had moved the breast of this good yeoman more than the possibility of actually seeing the gold plates. From the very beginning, this had been his anxiety. At last, his cynical wife would have to believe. Therefore, in spite of all the sorrows Martin Harris had caused the Smith family, Joseph's parents invited Martin to accompany them on the 25-mile trip to Fayette. The three men who had assisted Joseph the most up to this time were Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Martin Harris. All three hoped they would be chosen as the honored three witnesses, and Joseph Smith said he would seek the approval of the Lord through the Urim and Thummim. And now this brings us to the text of section 17. Behold, I say unto you that you must rely upon my word which if you do with full purpose of heart, you shall have a view of the plates, and also of the breastplate, the sword of Laban, the Urim and Thummim, which were given to the brother of Jared upon the mount, when he talked with the Lord face to face, and the miraculous directors, which were given to Lehi while in the wilderness on the borders of the Red Sea. The Lord not only committed himself to show the witnesses the gold plates, but also the breastplates, the sword of Laban, the Urim and Thummim, and the Liahona, or miraculous directors, which were given to Lehi. One of the most notable things about this verse is that Joseph Smith is told that the Urim and Thummim he received were apparently not the ones possessed by Moses and Aaron. The Urim and Thummim with the plates were given to the brother of Jared by the Lord, when the brother of Jared was allowed to see the Lord face to face. And it is by your faith that you shall obtain a view of them, even by that faith which was had by the prophets of old. The three witnesses are told that this experience will be a test of their faith, even as with the prophets of old. Little does Martin Harris realize how humble he must become before he is allowed to qualify for this experience. And after that you have obtained faith, and have seen them with your eyes, you shall testify of them by the power of God. So when all three have attained the faith necessary to see the Nephite treasures, particularly the gold plates, they are to testify to them by the power of God. This turned out to be a voice from God, testifying to them that the Book of Mormon was a true and accurate account of the things which were written on the unsealed portion of the gold plates. And this you shall do, that my servant Joseph Smith, Jr. may not be destroyed, that I may bring about my righteous purposes unto the children of men in this work. The witnesses are to bear a testimony so powerful that it can protect Joseph Smith in the eyes of the world and prevent him and the work of the Lord from being destroyed. And ye shall testify that you have seen them, even as my servant Joseph Smith, Jr. has seen them. 
for it is by my power that he has seen them, and it is because he had faith. The Lord commands the witnesses to proclaim their testimony as vigorously and strongly as Joseph Smith has borne his. And he has translated the book, even that part which I have commanded him. And as your Lord and your God liveth, it is true. The Lord now bears his own testimony. He says the part of the plates of Mormon which Joseph has been commanded to translate has been recorded accurately and truthfully. The Lord wants these witnesses to bear their testimonies in the same positive spirit as that which is set forth in the Lord's testimony. Wherefore you have received the same power, and the same faith, and the same gift like unto him. The Savior wants these three witnesses to know that from the Lord's point of view, they have obtained the same kind of faith and power to testify as Joseph Smith himself. And if you do these last commandments of mine, which I have given you, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. For my grace is sufficient for you, and you shall be lifted up at the last day. The witnesses need to know that their salvation depends upon their faithfully fulfilling this commandment to testify concerning the things which they have scientifically seen. It is rather amazing that while all three of these men drifted away from Joseph Smith, not one of them dared deny what they had seen and heard as witnesses to the Book of Mormon. And I, Jesus Christ, your Lord and your God, have spoken it unto you, that I might bring about my righteous purposes unto the children of men. Amen. Jesus then confirmed his own testimony that it was the Savior, the very Son of God, who had declared these things to fulfill his righteous purposes. Now let me add to this chapter an account of the three witnesses by Mother Smith. She gives the best account of the circumstances before and after the vision of the witnesses, and David Whitmer gives the best account of what really happened when the vision occurred. Here is Mother Smith's narration. Quote, As soon as the Book of Mormon was translated, Joseph dispatched a messenger to Mr. Smith, bearing intelligence of the completion of the work, and a request that Mr. Smith and myself should come immediately to Waterloo, 25 miles away. The same evening we conveyed this intelligence to Martin Harris, for we loved this man although his weakness had cost us much trouble. Hearing this, he greatly rejoiced and determined to go straightway to Waterloo to congratulate Joseph upon his success. Accordingly, the next morning we all set off together and before sunset met Joseph and Oliver at Whitmer's. The evening was spent in reading the manuscript and it would be superfluous for me to say to one who has read the foregoing pages that we rejoiced exceedingly. The next morning, after attending to the usual services, namely reading, singing, and praying, Joseph rose from his knees and approached Martin Harris with a solemnity that thrills through my veins to this day, when it occurs to my recollection that he said, quote, Martin Harris, you have got to humble yourself before God this day, that you may obtain a forgiveness of your sins. 
If you do, it is the will of God that you should look upon the plates in company with Oliver Cowdery and David Whitmer, unquote. Now, Mother Smith continues, In a few minutes after this, Joseph Martin, Oliver, and David repaired to a grove a short distance from the house where they commenced calling upon the Lord and continued in earnest application until he permitted the angels to come down from his presence and declare to them that all that Joseph had testified of concerning the plates was true. This is from Lucy Mack Smith's book on Joseph Smith, pages 151 to 152 in the 1945 edition. Now at this point, the account picks up with David Whitmer recording more details concerning the two groups of witnesses than anyone else. Here's what he said. It was June 1829, the latter part of the month, and the eight witnesses saw them. Joseph showed them, that is, the eight witnesses, the plates himself. But the angel showed us, the three witnesses, the plates as I suppose to fulfill the words of the book itself. Martin Harris was not with us at this time. He obtained a view of them afterwards, but on the same day. We not only saw the plates of the Book of Mormon, but also the brass plates, the plates of the Book of Ether, the plates containing the records of the wickedness and secret combinations of the people of the world down to the time of their being engraved, and many other plates. The fact is, it was just as though Joseph, Oliver, and I were sitting here on a log when we were overshadowed by a light. It was not like the light of the sun nor like that of a fire, but more glorious and beautiful. It extended away around us. I cannot tell how far, but in the midst of this light, about as far off as he sits, pointing to John C. Whitmer sitting a few feet from them, here appeared, as it were, a table, with many records or plates upon it, besides the plates of the Book of Mormon, also the Sword of Laban, the directors, that is, the ball which Lehi had, and the interpreters. I saw them just as plain as I see this bed, and he struck the bed beside him with his hand, and I heard the voice of the Lord as distinctly as I ever heard anything in my life declaring that the records of the plates of the Book of Mormon were translated by the gift and power of God. This is quoted from Preston Nibley's book, Witnesses of the Book of Mormon, pages 67 and 68. Here is why Joseph Smith says Martin Harris was not with Oliver Cowdery, David Whitmer, and Joseph Smith when the angel first appeared. Unquote. Joseph Smith says, quote, According to previous arrangements, I commenced my vocal prayer to our Heavenly Father and was followed by each of them in succession. We did not at the first trial, however, obtain any answer or manifestation of divine favor in our behalf. We again observed the same order of prayer, each calling on and praying fervently to God in rotation, but with the same results as before. Upon this, our second failure, Martin Harris proposed that he should withdraw himself from us, believing, as he expressed himself, that his presence was the cause of our not obtaining what we wished for. He accordingly withdrew from us, and we knelt down again, and had not been engaged many minutes in prayer, when presently we beheld a light above us in the air of exceeding brightness, and behold, an angel stood before us. 
In his hands he held the plates, which we had been praying for, to have a view of. He turned over the leaves, one by one, so that we could see them, and discern the engravings thereon distinctly. He then addressed himself to David Whitmer and said, David, blessed is the Lord, and he that keeps his commandments. When immediately afterwards we heard a voice from out of the bright light above us saying, These plates have been revealed by the power of God, and they have been translated by the power of God. The translation of them which you have seen is correct, and I command you to bear record of what you now see and hear. Then Joseph continues, I now left David and Oliver and went in pursuit of Martin Harris, whom I found at a considerable distance fervently engaged in prayer. He soon told me, however, that he had not prevailed with the Lord and earnestly requested me to join him in prayer that he also might realize the same blessings which we had just received. We accordingly joined in prayer and ultimately obtained our desire, for before we had yet finished, the same vision was open to our view. At least it was again open to me, and I once more beheld and heard the same things, whilst at the same moment Martin Harris cried out apparently in an ecstasy of joy, "'Tis enough, tis enough! Mine eyes have beheld! Mine eyes have beheld!' And jumping up, he shouted, "'Hosanna!' then blessing God and otherwise rejoicing exceedingly. Unquote. This is from the Comprehensive History of the Church by B. H. Roberts, Volume 1, pages 137 to 138. Mother Smith then described Joseph's return to the Whitmer home. Quote, when they returned to the house, it was between 3 and 4 o'clock p.m. Mrs. Whitmer, Mr. Smith, and myself were sitting in a bedroom at the time, on coming in, Joseph exclaimed, Father, Mother, you do not know how happy I am. The Lord has now caused the plates to be shown to three more beside myself. They have seen an angel who has testified to them, and they will have to bear witness to the truth of what I have said, for now they know for themselves that I do not go about to deceive the people. I feel as if I was relieved of a burden which was almost too heavy for me to bear, and it rejoices my soul that I am not any longer to be entirely alone in the world. Mother Smith then continues, Then Martin Harris came in. He seemed almost overcome with joy, and testified boldly to what he had both seen and heard, and so did David and Oliver, adding that no tongue could express the joy of their hearts and the greatness of the things which they had both seen and heard. Unquote. This is Lucy Mack Smith's Life of Joseph Smith, page 152 to 153. Mother Smith made this concluding remark concerning the witnesses. Quote, the following day we returned to Palmyra, a cheerful, happy company. In a few days we were followed by Joseph, Oliver, and the Whitmers, who came to visit us and make some arrangements about getting the book printed. Soon after they came, all the male part of the company, with my husband Samuel and Hiram, retired to a place where the family were in the habit of offering up their secret devotions to God. They went to this place because it had been revealed to Joseph that the plates would be carried thither by one of the ancient Nephites, 
Here it was that these eight witnesses, whose names are recorded in the Book of Mormon, looked upon them and handled them. After these witnesses returned to the house, the angel again made his appearance to Joseph, at which time Joseph delivered up the plates to the angel's hands. Unquote. This is in Mother Smith's History of Joseph Smith, page 154 to 155. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to read more on the Prophet Joseph Smith, look for W. Cleon Skousen's book titled Brother Joseph at skousenlibrary.com.